You're listening to the Seduce podcast with Cass and Kat, where we love to talk about life and experiences that inspire your higher self. Welcome back to part two of our chat with our personal branding expert, Queen Diane Baruch. <laughs> and today we get straight into it building your personal brand. I'm very excited for this one. I'm more excited. <laughs> now, if you haven't listened to part one of our chat with Diane, please, please, please do so. We highly recommend that you do. She spoke so eloquently on on life after losing a loved one, on beautiful sentimental moments in her marriage, of incorporating their legacy. It was such a real beautiful story into your life, Diane. So thank you so much for sharing. So please, guys, go back and listen to that one. Now. Like, listen to it now. Like, right this now. One. <laughs> yeah. Like, right now. It'll give you a lot of insight into who she is and why she does what she does. Mm. So, Diane, without further ado, <laughs> my first question to you is, Personal branding, it's often really misunderstood or people don't really know what it's about. So can you give us a little bit of intel, a bit of insight into what personal branding actually is? What yeah. is a personal brand? So thanks so much for having me. Thank oh. you. <laughs> and I guess some of the misunderstanding of personal branding, just to begin with, comes from people thinking that it is purely about self-promotion or it's about an act of vanity in some way. And that's really only the case if you're maybe not doing it right. So hopefully we'll get through some of the right way to be doing it. But personal branding, as it's most commonly understood, just to simplify its definition a bit, is that it's what people think about you, Mm -hmm. how you make them feel, what they say about you, especially when you're not in the room and how they remember you. So Mm -hmm. it's essentially just how people think about you and the impressions that you are leaving on the world and on people and just how you're remembered in general. That's even more extra special for me because you can relate that not just to business. It's to life in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your personality type and yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be good, Diane. Oh, I'm I'm excited. excited. (laughs) So is that what makes personal branding so important? Or are there other things as well that make it important? Absolutely. So I think I said at the end of the last episode, personal branding, as you mentioned, Kat, applies to everyone, no matter if you are running a business or if you're a leader in a business, which is what I focus on. Mm. But the same concepts apply because, again, it's how you represent yourself. So whether you're a child or a student or you're retired or you're a full-time parent, as I mentioned last as well, it's still resonates because it is how you want to be remembered and how you conduct yourself and the impressions that you are leaving. But from a business perspective, it can be really useful when you compare it with corporate branding because it is what is believed to resonate more strongly with people. So if you think about it, people connect with other people, people buy from other people and it's personal connections that build brand trust. So some of the research just to support it, to give you an example, is that it's been said that I think it's 33% of people trust brand messages, while 90-something percent of people trust recommendations from someone that they know. Mm -hmm. So intuitively, that makes a lot of sense, right? We trust what our friend or a contact says to us over, you know, an ad that comes up on our phone. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. Now, remember when Charlie and I first got together? Because you've just brought me to this with what you've said. <laughs> and and you're going to have to fill in any spots that I've forgotten. But basically, when Charlie and I got together, <laughs> Diane, we were I think we were at Charlie's Christmas party. Diane turns to me and said, oh, Boris has asked when you're going to put up a picture of you and Charlie. <laughs> and at that point, I think it was because, 
can't remember what reasoning I, I gave you, but he hadn't met my family yet. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. I didn't want to announce him on socials without actually having him met my parents. I don't know. Was there anything else I mentioned? Sure, but Boris doesn't even have social media. So I'm not sure why. He but you know, you know what? That was such a bestie thing to ask. Like, how come she hasn't posted him yet? You know, scoping me out, making yeah. sure I'm like the right kind of girl. You know, why why hasn't she done that? And so I think I said to Diane, you know, I haven't introduced him yet. And she goes, well, are you going to put him on your business page? And I go, no, no, just my personal. And she goes, why? <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you think? What do you mean? And Diane, I mean, you can take it away, but Diane basically got into, you know, I'm in the business of love stories. Why wouldn't I post about mine? And Diane mentioned how she, you know, her loves of her life filter through her personal brand business page, Instagram personal mm. page. It is a personal page. That's also your business, right? Yeah, my Instagram is my yeah. personal page. Yeah. So, yeah, I still remember that day. And to be honest, as soon as I did it, I, I connected it both to the personal page and the business page. It's one of my highest liked posts. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and I believe you even came up, I don't know if I changed the caption or you came up with some kind of caption. My caption is basically like, I'm in the business of love stories. So here is mine. Oh, with a little I remember that and I just feel like it was all Diane because I would have I would have been too like oh, oh like what do my people actually want to see on the business page we often have those questions mm. you know oh maybe my personal life they don't care about and whatnot but if they did and it is finding a balance obviously you're not going to post your whole life on your business page but for you yeah. Cass I think at the time I remember you having that thought that maybe people don't care about you personally and I went well you built a whole business around (laughs) your personal (laughs) brand I think that they do and you know just giving people the benefit of the doubt that they do actually care about you a little bit more than you might think but a lot of the reason I think I mentioned it to you at the time is that it all comes down to storytelling which is another big part of why personal branding is so important when it comes to businesses because we as humans have been evolutionarily hardwired to make sense of our experiences through storytelling. So when we think with this business mindset, we often try to take out all of the personal and all of the emotional and stick to the really technical. Mm. But we forget that that's not how we're wired. Mm. Thousands and thousands of years of us thinking in storytelling doesn't get erased straight away. So when you incorporate storytelling into your messaging, particularly as a business, or even if you want to, just as a part of your life, you know, try it with your friends and family. But they say that a message, for example, is 20 times more likely to be remembered, like a fact, Mm -hmm. is 20 times more likely to be remembered if it is shared with a story. And that's the power Mm -hmm. of storytelling for when you are communicating, people connect with it more. And that applies in business as well. Absolutely. So, wow. any more tips? Any more? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was just about to ask that. <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah. Like, what have been doing? Some of the top tips, I suppose, to personal. Branding. I mean, if you were marketing a restaurant by the ocean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a podcast, do I? <laughs> no. What are your top tips? So I could talk about this all day. So let me try and think of what the main ones are. Obviously, storytelling for me is always going to be a huge one. And it can be, like you said in the post that you did, that's just a few words. A story doesn't need to be a novel. It can be as simple as what's the story element of whatever it is that I'm trying to communicate. 
I like that because we often get caught up, particularly in my business, we often get caught up in like, oh, well, let's explain the ring, let's explain the proposal, which people love, but sometimes it's nice to be short and sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hmm. I think everything you do, I can say you're real storytelling. (laughs) You know, even when you talk about your remodel was the way that you share the couples, that's all storytelling. It's just that so many businesses forget to do that as well as you do it for yours. Thank you. So nice. I guess for me, I always start with the vision. So what is the vision for your personal brand? And again, apply that in any context that you work in, whether you work or not. What is that end goal? that you want for yourself. And I like to say to think very long term. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes comes from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he says to begin with the end in mind. And if mm. you actually listen to the last episode, that is very much centered around almost thinking about the actual end, like your death, potentially. What do you want to be remembered for is what a lot of thought leaders will ask you mm. to start at. And then reverse engineer everything from there. So start with that vision. And the next thing that I recommend doing is to start with your core values. So what are your core values? Thinking like a business or with a branding sort of mindset, what are your core values for you as a person? If you had to define them in you know, three or four top characteristics or top values, what would they be? But then also come up with what sits at the center of that, which I mentioned in the last episode. So what's your why? And again, that comes down to that saying that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so if you can find a way to communicate that in everything Mm -hmm. that you're doing, people are more likely to connect with that. And then once you understand your vision and your values, you can start to develop your unique value proposition. So what actually makes you unique in the marketplace and find a way to really go through, I guess, your history, you know, your education, your qualifications, your experience, and really go through it all with a fine tooth comb and go, okay, this is what I'm actually really skilled in. This is what I want to highlight because it links back to my vision and my values and develop what it is that actually makes you unique. That then flows into your key messages. So how are you communicating the same things in, you know, obviously tailored for different platforms in the same way so you have a really consistent brand? Again, I recommend doing that in a way that's personal and technical because people buy emotionally first and then they rationalize with logic. So what's what's both angles Mm. that you are working with that as well? And then there's some of the more fun things where it's things like your verbal identity, so your tone of voice and your visual identity and how you're represented in that because that all forms part of your brand as well. I recommend when you're thinking about personal branding as well, think about the other people that you can connect with and the other organizations. So start to look outside of yourself and go, I can actually build my brand by working with this person or working Mm. on a project with them, or I can build it by being more affiliated with a particular organization or learning from them or building my personal board of directors. So there's a lot that you could do to build your personal brand. That last one that you just mentioned, a lot of people overlook that. A lot of people look at other people that are in the same business as them or similar businesses to them. They look at them as competition rather than befriending them and creating an ally and a network. Like you say, I think that's such a powerful, powerful tool. If you can find a way to align with these people rather than work against them (laughs) or in competition with them, you know, in some industries, not everything, but in some. Mm, Very interesting. 
I've got one more question. Well, not even a question, more a statement. You know when you talked about the vision, have you done that for yourself? Yeah, that's cool. So like I asked because I had this experience and I reckon Cass, you probably had the experience too. We did like a hypnotherapy. Oh, NLP. Diane's done it too. Yeah, but it's not NLP. It's the hypnotherapy side. Yeah, that yeah. Yes. yes. Awesome. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about when I say you know you're standing there and you're asked to see yourself in like the near future and then many 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 years down the track. Mm-hmm. What does your vision look like? And what are you ultimately? What are you doing? Who are you with? And that visualization is almost like a manifestation. And that experience was really interesting for me because when I looked without like giving too much away, I'm a, I'm a big believer in. Your manifestations and your visualizations are personal mm-hmm. and don't really need to be shared, right? So, I'm the sun. yeah, you know, so without giving too much away, my end game or what, whatever you call it was very different to what I thought standing in the moment in the now of what I thought would actually be my trajectory or be my life path. Mm-hmm. So, that's really interesting too. Sometimes when you take that time to visualize, you might find a different path completely. Mm-hmm. Mm. Have you ever, have you experienced that? Yeah, 100% because I did, like I said, all of these exercises for myself. I was quite literally locked in my apartment, writing on my mirrors. Like I took it very seriously. The course that I delivered to other people, I did for myself. And I took that process seriously. And like you said, there's sort of the vision that we don't share and there's the vision that we do share. And for me, what I'm doing now and even just moving into this aspect of my career, it still relates to a broader vision. But I think what people don't realise is that I have a much more long-term vision and this yeah. is like a step to get to that. And I do think, like you said, it comes down to NLP and actually visualising yourself in that. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, the way that they say visualisation in that works is that if you can picture yourself being that future version of yourself, Mm -hmm. then your brain is then going to do the work for you to fill in all the steps to get to that. So you might Mm -hmm. go, okay, that's not where I want to be necessarily next year, but it's where I want to see my future. And then your brain goes, okay, well, you have to do X, Y, Z to be able to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can share one more thing on that story, when I was, I was a part of a few of those NLP and hypnotherapy groups, I really took an interest in, I think it was called timeline therapy. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I really took an interest in all of that. And so when I would work alongside the hypnotist and NLP practitioner, I'd watch other people go through their timeline and go through the the in the now and what do they see? What are they visualizing? And obviously no one spoke about what they could see, but I was so in tune with what I was seeing that I started to see certain people's visualizations in my mind. (laughs) So complete strangers. So they'd come out and some people would like to share, you know, and some people would share them and be like, oh yeah. One particular time it was so profound. If you could imagine I'm watching someone stand and look at a blank wall basically. And that was their, they're looking into their future. They're looking into their, that visualization, looking into their future. What do they see? And honestly, I literally saw like two kids hanging off of them, like a whole, this whole, this whole image. It was so profound that when she finished her her session and she came out, I just had to ask. I just said, look, I'm so sorry. I just have to ask this. Did you see X, Y, Z? And she was like, yes. I was like, how did that happen? Like when you're, I don't, I don't know. That's just yeah, some energy. weird psychic <laughs> energy, right? It's just yeah, energy. Absolutely. 
But it's so powerful, isn't it? Like, it's just, yeah, it's incredible. It's anyway, keep know talking. now. That doesn't even sound weird to me. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I was like, oh, that wasn't that strange. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, I was in someone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we know how powerful we are. Yeah. So it's just like. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of people, when they hear that I have prophetic dreams, they're like, wow, what? And I'm like, we should all technically be having prophetic dreams, mm. you know? Just mm. don't drink tap water Absolutely. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so don't drink tap water. Don't, don't have another, that another key takeaway. <laughs> to... <laughs> so, Diane, what can people do to, I guess, proactively level up their personal branding? I think a lot of it, if you've never thought about personal branding, will probably come down to you actually thinking about some of the tips that I just mentioned in Mm -hmm. the earlier question, because I know it's something that might not actually be on anyone's minds. I know I did it as a job for so long, but I wasn't thinking about applying it to myself. So maybe start there. But if I could highlight, I do have a blog that does cover the leveling up aspect in particular, but just to highlight probably a couple of key points in one of them. And this might not apply to everyone, but I would encourage you if it does or if you are willing to entertain it is to think about pushing your content creation comfort zone, which maybe comes down to what you guys have done with this podcast and go, maybe it's something that you might not have always done. I never imagined starting a podcast or a YouTube channel or a blog or any of that. But is there something that you could potentially entertain just to actually challenge yourself? Number one, personally, maybe professionally, will have a benefit too. But to me, that's like a real obvious thing that has a really significant impact almost straight away. And it doesn't matter how much traction it gets or any of that. It's more that people see that you are growing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and that. that is a lot of what, you know, trying to even level up your personal brand or define it more has an element of it's that people want to be part of this transformation story they want to see that you're potentially you know entering a new chapter of your life so just maybe think about how you can push that comfort zone whatever it may be maybe it's not content creation but a comfort zone that you're currently in how can you do something maybe that's just beyond that zone just Mm -hmm. push your abilities a little bit and another one I think comes down to I think what we mentioned just earlier where a really significant one that can have an impact straight away is just your relationships. So you are who you spend your time with. So having a look at your social circle or your professional circle, working out if there is opportunities there to connect just personally maybe or maybe from more of a professional level. You guys, again, with Mm. this podcast, maybe that is an element of that too. You guys were friends first Mm -hmm. before you did that. And that is a really, I think, really quick way that you can elevate your personal brand because you're using the expertise, the knowledge, the personalities, the experiences of the people around you. But then also think about organizations that you might be able to connect with. I know when I started on this journey of starting my own business, there were some key organizations that made that really possible and supported that a lot as well. So in your circumstances, what is the organization that might help you enter that next chapter of your life in a more significant way. Mm. Yeah, wow. So you're able to look inside a business and go, you need to do X, Y, Z to uplift your personal brand. I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) So what should I do? (laughs) (laughs) You do everything. You're generally a really good example, I think, of someone that has really embraced 
storytelling as a part of your brand. You haven't shied away from that personal element. You've named your business after your full name, which a lot of people are scared to do. Like Mm -hmm. they won't do that because it just feels like something they need to keep as like a, you know, a vague work as opposed to the person behind the business. So I think you're doing it really well. Did you see the little reel I did when I went to Byron Bay that included little (laughs) and Charlie in it? Oh my God, when he yeah. dropped the suitcase. I see, of course. <laughs> Don't miss those <laughs> I know. And once again, that was one of those things I was like, oh. And then I was like, I'm going to include him. That, you know, yeah. he's part of this trip. So I'm going to include him in this video. Yeah. Like I said, it's just finding the balance. Like you're not going to post him every single day, but people right. want to know. Okay, the person behind the business. Did you imagine every ring shop chimes <laughs> one? <laughs> Just thumbs up. You're putting it on his finger? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, my model always. <laughs> the way that I explain it to people actually about getting, you know, thinking about personal branding but hesitant to maybe include any aspect of like their personal life is that I like to say if you were a character and you are in a story, it's mm-hmm. like imagine watching a movie or a TV show or reading a book. These are the people that are your supporting characters. They're a part of your story. Mm. And this applies even for your team. So people that have teams, whether you have your own business or whether you are you know, working in an organization, how can you highlight team members? Because they form that bigger story. Mm. Again, you're making business personal. It's not about just you know the brand. People don't connect with just the brand. Wow. Ah. So long form content what is that can you explain this <laughs> oh. what you're doing is a long form content so i guess there's two sort of main forms so they would be short form content which is probably what people are most used to doing in their personal life which is like your social media so you know your instagram your tiktok your linkedin all of those things doing posts on those things is going to be you know your normal posts are going to be short form content So generally compared to its counterpart, long form, it is debatable for some maybe, but compared to its counterpart, it's generally speaking easier to produce and easier to consume. Mm -hmm. So it also means that you spend a shorter amount of time consuming it. So compared to its counterpart, long form content, long form content like your podcasts, your YouTube channels, your blogs, or, you know, if you're writing articles on LinkedIn or any, anything else, that is generally speaking going to take longer to produce and longer to consume. But one of the really amazing things about long form, which I think tends to get forgotten by a lot of people just in sort of mass audiences, is that it allows people to spend more time with you. So what Mm. happens is you are deepening the relationship and you're building trust. So your podcasts, for example, that go for maybe 40 minutes, That allows people to connect with both of you on a much deeper level as opposed to a social media post that they're going to see for one second amongst the hundreds that they will see. And I think that's the opportunity that a lot of people forget is in the power of long form content. Mm. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I just had a thought the other day and Cass, maybe I was telling it to you or Luke, one or the other, like you two are sometimes like the same. He's Luke. (laughs) He's Luke, right? (laughs) And I was saying, it must have been to Luke where I was saying, I have these moments sometimes where I go, you know, we've done about 33, 32, 33 podcast episodes, whatever we're up to now. And if we say on average, they go for about 45 minutes or sometimes a bit more. You were saying this to me. Did I mention it to you too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, complete strangers have heard me speak 
for almost 30 hours straight. <laughs> like that's insane. Like yeah. it, it just kind of blows your mind a little bit because mm-hmm. those are the things that you're not really considering. When we sit down and have this chat, and even with you, Diane, today, like I'm so in the moment here that I forget that this is going out to the world. 100%. You know what I mean? Just earlier, Kat, when you mentioned that this is the second time that we met, I actually got caught off guard for a minute because I'm like, gosh, is this the second time I listen to you every fortnight? Like, I did not realise that actually just made me stop to be like, oh my God, I don't know her. As well as like, I but, but you do? <laughs> yeah, I do. You don't know me. <laughs> that is so true. Wait, well, I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to see you again. No, it's just Kat. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> She's like, how's Rosaria going? Yeah, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, congrats on the new job, yeah. but we haven't talked about in person. Oh, my God, you literally said that to me. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, how did she know? Maybe Cass told her. Like, no, it's on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's funny. <laughs> oh, no, that's really interesting. So daily habits, let's talk about what people can do day-to-day to build their own personal brand? Yeah, so what I like to say, I'm pretty obsessive with daily habits personally, but what I say to clients is to go back to that original vision and all of the work that you've done, hopefully, in between that as well and go, okay, if this is the vision, say you want to be a writer, then how are you actually reverse engineering that into your daily habits? So are you writing Mm -hmm every day, write yeah. a page every day. So how are you making the big vision that is very much in the long term, much more in the today? So how are you practicing that thing? What's going to put you closer to that vision? So what I like to say to my clients, obviously, if you can think of that one thing that you have to do, that is incredible. Focus on that. Make that your kind of non-negotiable for as many days as you can. You know, if there was three things that you could do every single day as a habit that is going to benefit you the most as a person or as your personal brand, then what would they be? And just ask Mm. yourself that question. So for me personally, mine is reading and walking. And it's also writing. That's Mm -hmm. the three things that Mm -hmm. I want to do every day, even if I'm having a bad day or I'm not feeling as productive as I normally would. I ask myself if I've done those three things and I know I'm not as hard on myself as I think be. And I reverse engineer that. And a lot of the time it comes down to something that I heard a thought leader actually read about, I think, a thought leader. And it's Michael Hyatt. And he talks about these three stages that we all have. He says that we have a front stage, which is the way that we perform, say, our job that people see. And then we have our backstage, which is all of that work that goes into you being able to perform your job, but maybe your boss doesn't necessarily see it. It's a little bit more behind the scenes. Then you also have your offstage. And that is all of the stuff that you do, you know, I guess in your personal life that allows you to be able to show up on those other two stages. So that not routine, but what's the daily habit that you have that's going to make you be that best version of your personal brand? So when you turn up at work, are you going to be a better person because you went for your run or whatever it is that your Mm. non-negotiable is? It's going to help you turn up as that most consistent version, especially, you know, I've come from a sporting background as well. And I know things like you know, habits, routines before game days. That's a really important part of athletes' lives. But we don't think sometimes to take those really interesting things that people do in other industries into our professional life or personal life in those ways. 
Mm, love that. I feel like being a parent, right? The parent role is an interesting one because sometimes I come home from work and I'm tired or I'm frustrated. I don't want or a parent. I don't want a parent. <laughs> like, that's the truth, you know? And sometimes I think about my how that is then reflected onto Rosaria. Like if she obviously is seeing and feeling (laughs) feeling that energy, it's like finding somewhere in between, whether it's training at that time, which sometimes is difficult at dinner time, but, you know, finding something where I tend to just go to listening to a favorite song on the way home from work. If I do that, that helps a lot with my mindset. I walk in the door and it's like, you haven't forgotten about work or you haven't forgotten about the pressure of the day, but it's just that little downtime. Yeah. Before you step into the next cycle of the night. You know what I mean? And that helps me, I don't know, I suppose like maybe be a better parent because on the nights where I don't do that, if I'm on the phone to someone at work still on my way home or if I've spoken to someone else about a stressful situation, when I walk in the door, I've still got all that energy around me. Mm. So yeah, it, it actually is a good like takeaway point, what you yeah. say. It does help. I had, when I first moved onto Hut Street, I had a gorgeous employee, Jesse, and She never really saw me stressed. And now I put that down to I was going to yoga every day then. Mm. She goes, do you you get stressed? And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Because in the last, like, you know, probably four or five years, I've definitely felt stressed more Mm. than opposed to that time when she asked. And now I think about it, I'm like, I was doing yoga every day. Mm -hmm. So that was like my de-stressor. How interesting. The best version of yourself. That's what you needed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And now I'm back to going five times a week. So I'm feeling amazing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that's going to have that rollover effect into work, I think, and everything else. I put a lot of this down to, I talk about this a lot as a part of my coaching, but it comes down to one of the core principles of branding, which is consistency. Mm. So consistency is what builds trust and trust is what builds loyalty. So however we're turning up in our lives, whether it's with our co-workers or our family or our partners or children, what is the most consistent way that you can turn up? Because if you're having a bad day and you project that onto the people around you, then slowly you are breaking trust that they have in that relationship, which is where I go, those daily habits. If that's going to put you one step closer to showing up as the best consistent version of yourself, then prioritize those things as much as you can. I like that. And that's why Charlie prioritizes training as well. Because he thinks it brings the best of the most consistent person. Oh my God. He really is. Oh, isn't he? He really is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Talk about like routine and habit and following through. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's great at that. He is. Discipline. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. So, Diane, you're a big advocate for LinkedIn. Now, that platform I've never really gotten on or really understood. Tell me why. Tell me why we should all be on LinkedIn. Yeah, so I definitely fell into the same boat as what you're talking about up until probably a few years ago. So I think I was probably the last person that I know professionally to even join LinkedIn. I remember when I started an account, this was many, many years ago now, I went on there and it was like experiencing, I imagine it's what it would be like now if you started a new Facebook account. You're like, what is this what is, yes. that people have been a part of for so long? Like, you know, there was people that I was like sitting right next to that I didn't realize were so active on LinkedIn. It was just this whole other world. And, you know, people that I knew I had introduced to each other or connected on LinkedIn, just so much happening in the relationship space. But even 
with saying that and having that eye-opening moment, I still left it for many, many years. Mm. And I was that person, I think, as most people are, that posts on LinkedIn maybe once or twice a year when something really major happened, if that. Otherwise, I wouldn't go on there. And that changed probably a couple of years ago. I think during COVID, people just got a little bit more interested in the platform in particular, and mm. I started to post a little bit more. Now it is a really big part of my online communications and mm. I share my blogs, my YouTube channels, everything on there. And it's become probably the platform that I use more than anything. But I see so many people that I know really great at social media, really great at digital and relationships, not do anything on LinkedIn. Mm. Sometimes they don't even have an account. <laughs> Sometimes they don't have an account, but then I know they have an account, but they don't do anything. They don't engage. They don't comment. They don't do anything. And can't remember the exact numbers, but it's pretty reflective of what they say. I know they say it about LinkedIn, but I think it's something like 90% of people lurkers mm. and only something like 10% maybe engage or like consume that it's something like five or one percent actually actively share things. So it's a way that you can either immediately be in that top five percent, one percent, whatever wow. it is, and show that you can lead in that space as opposed to just lurking. But it's also the biggest professional network in the world. And if that's something that you are prioritizing, then that's absolutely fine. Stick to Instagram, stick to TikTok, whatever it is. But for people that are looking to build their careers or their professional relationships. It's the biggest professional platform. Mm. So for me, especially if you do already have an account on there and you're not active and you're not doing anything but just consuming other people's media. Number one, I say it's almost like going to a networking event and not actually speaking to mm. anyone. Would you mm. ever do that? Would you ever walk into a room and not speak to anyone? For the people that are just consuming, you know, I guess that's great if you're taking something away from it, but it's almost like going to that networking event and taking all of the value that other people have to give mm. without ever contributing mm. to the conversation, without adding any value of your own. Mm. That might be something that's of interest to other people. So I just think it's a really underutilized platform for a lot of people that I know anyway. And if you go on there and you start to actually use it a little bit more or push your comfort zone, as I said before, you know, yeah. don't feel as nervous when you press post. Don't wait for that, you know, major life event to encourage you, but just try and use it a little bit more. Because mm. So would you suggest like Seduce Podcast go onto LinkedIn or is it just more for individual professionals? You can absolutely do a Seduce Podcast on there. My bias is that I would suggest it is your personal brand, but that's that's yeah, me. I don't yeah. do anything gotcha. that is just my business brand. I do it mm-hmm. all under my brand. Yeah. But it's absolutely, gotcha. and mm. it's a business-to-business business, more so than anything environment. So, mm. you know, if you guys had business relationships that you wanted to pursue going forward, even just you, Cass, as your brand being, you know, a jewellery designer also with a podcast, like that's all you doing things professionally mm. and now with your new work as well cast mm. like that is something that yeah I just highly recommend it mm. interesting because I know that my marketing girl has definitely posted on our LinkedIn account posted when we've had job opportunities pop up and that kind of thing but it is under 
obviously, if she's posting it, it's under the business banner. It's mm. Cassandra Moni, but as the which business. goes back to what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, mm. about the you might find that your engagement maybe isn't as strong, or I don't know the last existed. time that yeah. she's even gone on there. Yeah, yeah. So I found that even just in all the roles that I've been in, and it goes back to I think this is a few years ago now, but it goes back to I think some research said that. When a person shares a brand message, it is likely to get 500% more engagement than when a brand shares that same message. Mm-hmm. So if you went on LinkedIn, you'll probably notice that wow. a lot of the corporate brands, unless you're huge, and even some of them, to be honest, they will have very little to no engagement. Mm-hmm. Whereas when an employee in that organisation shares something, everyone's all over it. They want to be. Wow. Okay. That's really, 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 really interesting. I'm going to remember that. You know, that's actually applied like accidentally. Sometimes with work, I'll reshare posts from work, you know, about like the food or the entertainment that we've got on that night or whatever it is. And people that I know from Mm. those posts book in. Yeah. For dinners and lunches and things. So it's exactly what you're describing, isn't yeah, it? They connect with you, not yeah. necessarily the brand. And again, if it's not a world that you're a part of, people get recruited from LinkedIn. You can get headhunted. You have people contact you that you've never met before. So it's certainly, if it's not something that you're on at all, I would say a bit of a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think in our day and age, sort of now everyone's thinking about TikTok, but they're not thinking about this professional yeah. platform maybe as much as they could be. Mm. I love that. Join LinkedIn. So I feel like you've spoken about this, but what would be your round out of tips for existing businesses out there who need to be rebranded and how do they do it best? Yeah. I know it's like taking everything you've said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of focus more. I've done a lot of work with rebranding for businesses in general, but I'll try and package it to be a bit more about a person as well as things that can apply to the business. But I guess I'll start with timing. So, okay, I do have a blog about this as well. And I think I'm going to release a video next week on this topic. So if anyone wants proper details, definitely have a look at that. But I'll try and remember what the main things are. But I would start with timing. So when I talk about rebranding, that is obviously much more significant than just leveling up kind of what you're already doing. So a rebrand, if you think about it in a business perspective, is that you're making a much more dramatic change. If you're just leveling up or you're glowing up your brand, whatever it is, that's going to be things that sort of little changes that have big impacts. But say you have, for example, if you have a career change that you have in mind or you find that you're a little bit stagnant in your career, maybe you've become predictable, Mm. then you want to do something that's going to maybe be a little bit more significant. You're going to be taking a different path. And so I would say to start with timing and try and align with what a natural fresh start would be. And I suggest this comes down to, I think they call it in social science, temporal landmarks. Tempora? Temporal. <laughs> like sushi temporal? <laughs> temporal. So it's based on this idea, if you haven't heard it before, that we as humans navigate through space, obviously using landmarks, but we also navigate through time and it's through these ideas of temporal landmarks. So it's the reason why we feel a certain way on January the 1st. I know you guys talked about this mm-hmm. in an episode mm-hmm. recently, but we feel a certain way on January the 1st. And they've done a bit of research into this and they've seen that, and I think we know this intuitively as well, but they've seen that on the 1st of January, the word 
diet skyrockets to something like 80% in Google searches. Wow. That's, oh and to me, gosh. that kind of makes sense. You know that that's what people would be thinking about. But what they found even more interesting is that there's also other peaks in the year. And that's in things like the start of a month, mm-hmm. the start of a week, and also after, say, like a national holiday. Mm. So what I say to people then is to find the natural fresh starts that you have in your year already. So maybe it is those things, maybe it's the start of a season, mm-hmm. or maybe it is those life events like a change of job, a marriage, a divorce, having children, moving back home, moving overseas, whatever it is. Try and time it just so if you are doing a rebrand that it's got a really motivating aspect to it as well. Mm. And it does not need to be January the 1st. It can be anywhere. Mm. I also say going back to the vision, understand where that vision is so that if you are rebranding, make sure that that rebrand is going to take you one step close to that vision, that it's headed Mm. in Mm -hmm. a certain direction. I would then also say that. The visual aspect of your rebrand can be a really exciting fun one and it gives you a chance to think about if you're not doing it already, how can you have a consistent look and feel with maybe your colour palettes, your fonts, your visual Mm -hmm. treatments, your visual style or your clothing, of course. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's a bit of a baseline personal branding, but I know it's not something that everyone would do. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to rebrand, you could take that even further and have a you know, signature colour that you really start to adopt. You know, maybe it's even just looking at more aspects of your visual identity, like your hair Mm. and your makeup, those sorts of things. I spent 10 years with blonde hair and so many people. No way! And so it was a big deal from late high school to, I think it was my late 20s, but it was a big deal. People knew me as just, that was my look. And when I went brown, it was such a dramatic change but for me it just represented a bit of a new chapter that I was entering Mm. I was just finishing up my MBA at the time and I just wanted to leave behind just a bit of bit of that blonde girl life yeah wow I could yeah I need to see see photos photos. I need to see photos (laughs) (laughs) no I didn't mind it but obviously it's not you like this is you yeah because this is your natural color obviously yeah Yeah. Yeah, of course it's just Mm. looks cute Mm. fresh but this is cuter Gosh, I've got to look into the psychology behind why I've changed my hair colour so many times. I feel like (laughs) twice a year I easily change my hair. Do you get bored? I'm not sure. I think probably a boredom thing. No, there's got to be something more to it. Maybe it is something to do do with rebranding, but internally, you know, I don't know. Mm, Very interesting. Like that. I think in terms of rebranding, though, just one last thing I'll add is that remember to connect your narrative. So if there are elements of your old story mm-hmm. that you can take with you, you spent a lot of time building up the reputation or all the work that you've already done. So mm-hmm. what is it that's going to actually be something that's really valuable to move into this new version of yourself? Don't mm-hmm. just discount all of that experience. Just see what's relevant and I don't know with you, Cass, with you changing sort of career paths, if you thought about some of this as well as you went from, was it Maybe. finance into? Yeah, finance into yeah. events. Oh, it's a whole like, different ball game. Mm, like, bold game? Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Well, thankfully, so I was like, did I say that? Yeah. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of grey game going on, but that's probably. <laughs> but it's literally like finance is so, 
I would use the word boring, but there's a lot of listeners that will be <laughs> fun hits. Well, but like, it depends what section you know of violence what? you're in. It's because I was never good with numbers. That's why. Neither was I. I don't even know mm. how I landed that job. Wait. But but you know what? I don't know. I, I think my life outside of work was always very interesting. Yeah. Always. Yeah, and I think that's good. what kept, maybe that's why I got out of the comfort zone because some people don't leave their comfort zone at all no they stay there for like 30 40 years and they just see out their career in finance and not loving it just because it's something easy to do whereas I don't know I think when you've always got things going on away from work when you have a purpose outside of work things end up shifting the timing comes into play and the right moves you make at the right time so Mm. yeah Hmm. Interesting. It worked. Hmm, it worked. I feel like this is more you, though, that's for sure. Yeah, but I don't think it's a me forever thing. Yeah. I think it's a me for now. Yeah, thing. I feel does like. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It does, 100%. Hmm. So right okay. now, I feel that this is very yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> With a bit of blonde in my hair. <laughs> for summer. Yeah. So what about authenticity and imposter syndrome in personal branding? Yeah, so that is one that comes up. A lot. So a lot of people seem to have reservations when they think about, and maybe it's part of that misunderstanding of personal branding, but they have reservations about personal branding because they think, you know, if they're so intentional about it, which is essentially all personal branding is, it's being intentional about the mm. fact that you already have a brand, that people are already judging you. So how can you actually be a bit more deliberate about <laughs> what they're judging you about? Oh, it's so true. So... Authenticity comes up because people feel like it either feels too forced and they don't want to come across as a different person. And number one, if you've done the work correctly and it is an outward expression of your values and your unique personality and all of what makes you special in the world, then you should never be questioning if your personal brand is authentic or not. But I also think they have reservations sometimes of standing out as well. And that's not necessarily what personal branding is ever about, but they just don't want to come across as something that they don't feel that they are, which is where that imposter syndrome Mm. comes into it. But what I just question when I hear that a lot is that to me, and I know this is something that a lot of people suffer from quite seriously, but I would just question if in your particular circumstance, is it actually imposter syndrome or is it you just not stepping outside of your comfort zone? Mm. Or is it you feeling like you just don't deserve an opportunity that the universe has actually already given to you? Mm-hmm. It's quite common when people have a new job and they feel like, you know, they've been given something well above what they would normally be doing, but you've earned that, you've mm-hmm. earned that position. And so I just think when it comes to personal branding, number one, you're, unless you're some kind of fraud or unethical mm-hmm. to me, you're always going to be authentic but just ask yourself if it's you just not pushing your comfort zone yeah I think we all have I guess it's a right in some way to aspire to be you know as you guys talk about a higher version of yourself Mm -hmm. and if you are living as that higher version of yourself or at least trying to then that is not something that I think you should ever feel inauthentic about Mm mm-hmm that was a great answer. I already know things I'm going to do today after this chat. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like going to go and see what I want my end goal to be, like how yeah. I want to be seen to the world, mm-hmm. and then work backwards. Yeah. There. Mm. Reverse engineer. That's like my favourite <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's some things that sometimes I'm like, am I posting enough? Like not on my personal page. I, I talk 
purely in business. Like, am I posting enough? Should I post every second day? Should I post every day? You know, what if I post this now at this time and no one sees it? Then that story has gone to waste. You know what I mean? There's, I think people get stage fright almost when it comes to, and, and this could be in personal, like mm-hmm. personal page as well. You know, I'm, I'm talking Instagram here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, often I think we, we always kind of, we do doubt ourselves sometimes. Some people are really good at not doing it, but sometimes it's like, oh, I, for me, it's like, oh, do I have the time to do this? Do I, should I do this? Is it mm. going to be seen? What's the best time to do this? Do you find you ever ask yourself those questions? Is it the right time to post this now? Yeah, I think the part of me that worked in marketing for 15 years is always thinking about the exact time that you post things, you know, your time and phase, entire, you know, activities revolve around that exact time. Me, with what I'm doing now, I have generally specific times that I do things, but that has much more to do with me holding myself accountable to the habit. So it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm consistent and I know that by doing that, it's things are just going to be happening at a certain time. time. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that I'm ready for that instead of putting it on the back burner or feeling that stage right. I go, yeah. no, go to press publish because this yeah. is the time yeah. that I have to do it. I just try and not overthink it. To be yeah, honest. it's so true. And it goes back to what I talked about in the last episode. I think there's bigger things to worry about in life than the perfect time to post. And I think your people are your people. They're going to be probably doing the same thing you were doing that, that so time. That's true. Like, so funny. I posted the other night on the Seduce page and then I messaged Kat and I was like, maths is on. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's going to be watching TV. <laughs> and I was like, well, whatever. It's up there. It was just, yeah, one of those things. <laughs> one of I'm like, how often does it show you? Like, how often does it air? I don't think it was on a Thursday now, but I don't know. Who knows? Mm. Mm. Okay. So... What do you do when you don't feel like you're an expert with all of this? Like, where do you start? <laughs> yeah, which is probably the problem that most people yeah. have if they don't feel like an expert. That I say this even to students, students who have had next to no, if any, professional career at all, is that even you as a student or wherever you are at in your career, mm-hmm. you have expertise to share. So it's just reminding yourself that there is no one, not a single person on this planet that has had your exact story, your exact combination of interests, skills, expertise, your background, your personality, your relationships. That Mm -hmm. number one already makes you an expert in whatever you have to say. Mm. But then at the same time, I also say you don't have to be an expert to share whatever it is that you are thinking you just have to have a point of view. You might even just be reflecting on the things happening around you. Like so much of the thought leaders around you are actually just reflecting on the world Mm. around them. So as a student, for example, or whatever you're doing, or, you know, if you have a completely different career, but there's something that you want to dabble in, then why not just learn in public? So learn out loud to people around you. You know, as I imagine maybe you guys are doing with this podcast, as Mm. you learn things that you find interesting in your life, you jump on here and you share it with Mm. other people Mm. that it might be helpful to. And, you know, maybe you didn't do lots of podcasts before you did something like this, but you're practicing in public. If you had said to yourself, no, I'm going to wait until I'm an expert and I'm going to research podcasts for years and years and years and make sure that I'm a professional speaker in every way shape or form and you probably would never do that thing but mm-hmm. why not just practice in public learn in public share your experience share your perspective and otherwise if you're always waiting to be an expert you're probably never going to do it and mm-hmm. someone said to me 
when I was just sort of starting on this path is, you know, that saying of just start before you think you're ready because mm-hmm. you're never going to feel ready. And mm-hmm. I just kind of took that and ran with it. I'm like, I don't feel ready to do most things that I do, yeah. but I just work it out as I go. That's how I felt when I was thinking about being a mum. You're like, I'm not ready, not ready, not ready, not ready. And then it happened. I was like, well, i got to be ready. <laughs> So then, is there such a thing as oversharing or, you know, giving too much information when it comes to personal branding? Is there a limit that you kind of reach with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's oversharing, which is thinking about your personal brand really intentionally is important. Like going back to that example of sharing Charlie on your social media. Mm. It goes back to what I said, like, I don't think you're going to share every minute of the day. Mm. I'm sure there's aspects of your relationship, 90% of it probably or more, that you're going to keep private, if not, you know, next to all of it. But share the aspects that you decide you want to share. So tell Mm. the story that you want to intentionally share. And I think where oversharing can go wrong (laughs) is that you are just sharing everything. And I think there is, there's something in being vulnerable. I think that is something that comes up a lot in leadership. So if you're sharing like a bad day or whatever it is, that's all good. But whatever you are doing, just think like a business, think like a brand and ask yourself, how is this going to be remembered? How are people going to think mm-hmm. about this yeah. long term? Is it something that I'm comfortable with? You know, it's like doing the mum test. So like, would you be happy for your mum to see this? If yeah, so, yeah. oh good. Would you be happy for future employers? Would you be happy for your future self? So, mm. Oh, some, some just, of the sob stories that I see online from people. And the TikToks, you know, the ones where they set up the camera to cry in front of them. Oh, okay. I don't have TikTok, but I just, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't get it, but some of them do really well, but then they absolutely get roasted in the comments as well. Mm. Like, okay, you set up your camera to cry. Because that comes across as inauthentic. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, but then does yeah. it get people anywhere? Like that sort of branding, when you're very vocal about the negatives or like, I don't know, when you play the victim with things online, is that anything that is helpful towards do you know what I'm trying to say mm. because like you said Cass they get a lot of views short a lot of people viral. comment there's a lot of interest around what they're saying even if it's bad feedback or comments is it still worth doing something like that does it in any way I don't know or is it just just short-term viral I just think the personal brand storytelling part of my business is that I always try and get people to think in you know what's the character that you're playing is yeah. it a victim is it hero? Is it guide? Or is it villain? Guide? Guide. So mm. the guide is the one that has already traveled the path and is actually trying to help the hero. Mm. So what I recommend, especially if you're thinking about this from a business perspective, is that you don't want to be the hero. You want your audience to be the hero. You're the yes. guide. You're the oh. guide with empathy and with authority. Mm. And I love that. Just to be really conscious of when you are playing a victim. So it is up to everyone. Like, mm. They want to go onto social media and have that tone of voice, be oversharing, be really negative, like you said. That's fine as long as they understand that that is the impression that they are leaving on people. And some people want to be that person. Some people might not realize that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. But that's why I talk a lot in my program about tone of voice. That comes down to a really key aspect of personal branding, so your verbal identity. What is your tone of voice? So if you had three to four characteristics or five that throw flow from your values, what would they be? And ask yourself all the time, am I actually representing what these characteristics 
the way I get my clients to do it is to think about things as above the line and below the line. Mm-hmm. So above the line is what is the best version of representing those characteristics? What's the tone? What's the behaviours? And then below the line is the opposite. That's what things don't look like. So ask yourself, are you acting on brand to your desired mm. tone of voice mm-hmm. of your personal brand or are you acting off brand? So I do that even in my personal life. I go, okay, am I actually coming away from that conversation and being these things or did I have a moment of being the off-brand version of myself that I don't want to be? Yeah, right. Mm. That's a unique way to look at it. Definitely. Definitely. Check in with yourself. Gosh, you've, gi- you've given me or... so much to think about, So Diane. much. Oh, my gosh. So much takeaway. Wow, this has been really good. This I loved been, it. I want to like keep going, but I know it's like, okay, we got, yeah, got to draw the line. So we could probably talk for hours on this. Thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the podcast. I know that so many people are going to love listening to this couple of episodes. So we really appreciate you. You are mini but mighty energy, my love. <laughs> and we've loved having you on Seduce. So thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, you're very Such welcome. It's been great. And if anyone's listening and is wanting more information or help with their personal branding, please get in contact with Diane. We'll throw all her socials and blog links, podcast links and everything into our show notes. So look for it in there. And she, as you already know, to those who have come this far and still listening, she's absolutely incredible and so, so, so full of talent and inspiration. And we've loved every second of having you on here, Diane. So thank you so, so much. I absolutely honour. And to our listeners, please do your usual like, share, subscribe, follow our Seduce podcast. We value you guys so much. Until next time. Till next time. Bye.